This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Thank you and good afternoon to you all. Well, for me, this afternoon presents something of a, of a challenge. And I like challenges, I don't know about you, but I do, because they make you think. They make you think about life, about places, about people, about the past, about the present, and they can also make you think about the future. And as you get older and the memory starts to ask you awkward questions, especially when, if you're like me, you go from one room into another and you think when you get there, what am I doing here? What have I come here for? Or you're preparing a meal and you open the cupboard door instead of the fridge. I haven't had a problem driving from Yorkshire to Lancashire today. I've managed to find my way here, okay. And I hope I'll find my way back to Yorkshire later on. So yes, life can be one big challenge and you don't need advancing years to tell you that. But here we are on the 21st of October 2018 and we're going to think about something that Jesus said nearly 2,000 years ago. Now that's a real challenge because we weren't there, were we? And we don't know anybody who was. And I know from your programme that you've had during the course of the year, you've been dealing with a whole range of Bible topics. And each title, I can imagine, has been a challenge. And mine today is because it's made me think about what I want to say. And I hope that what I say will make you think when we come to the end. So what did Jesus mean when he said, Ask, and it shall be given you, and seek, and ye shall find? And I'd like to complete the quote, if I may, because he went on to say, Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Well, I think the best way to answer that question is to consider the context in which it appears, to gather an understanding of what Jesus was talking about. And that's why we had that reading read together from Matthew chapter 7, as we read from verse 1 through to verse 21. And there in verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. But the interesting thing is, as I thought about this context, but it doesn't start and end within the words that we read together. Because they're only part of a much bigger speech that Jesus is giving. And it's a speech which is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And that commences in Matthew chapter 5. Now, it would be nice to be able to read that full account. But what I will do is just give you the benefit of the headings that appeared in uh, various uh, translations of the scriptures that I looked at. And they give us a bit of an insight into 
what was going on in the mind of Jesus the things he wanted to put uh, before the people he was talking about the Beatitudes and salt and light about the fulfilment of the law about murder and adultery and divorce about oaths an eye for an eye love for enemies giving to the needy he spoke about prayer about fasting treasures in heaven telling people not to worry about judging others and there was that uh, quote that we're thinking about this afternoon ask seek and knock then he spoke about the narrow and wide gates the tree and its fruit and finally he spoke about the wise and the foolish builders a very wide and a very varied subject matter he was dealing with now we can quite easily read through those three chapters in say 20 minutes or so but I think we must remember that they're really they're a summary of an inspired record of a speech that Jesus gave on a mountainside I don't know how many people would be there I suspect hundreds, maybe thousands. And I suggest he spoke for hours and not just for 20 minutes. And he was certainly addressing the everyday problems of life. Things that his hearers would be familiar with. But pointed their minds to think about a better life. A better way of living. With clear objectives and real purpose. We just read the conclusion of that speech in Matthew chapter 7 as we pick up at verse 28. As we read there, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so you can just imagine, can't you, the mixed emotions of the crowd to what Jesus had been speaking about compared with what they would be accustomed to hearing from the scribes they found Jesus teaching quite amazing and they were astonished uh, by it all and I like the message commentary it is only a, a commentary on the scriptures but the message records it this way it says that when Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Can I just pose the question I asked earlier? What did Jesus mean? when he said to the multitude to ask, to seek and to knock. What was he getting at? What was it he wanted them to think about? Well, as I was preparing these notes, I jotted down quite a few questions to help my thought process. And eventually I was just left with two questions to, uh, to think about. Firstly, who was Jesus speaking to? And secondly, why did he want to speak to the people? 
Let's just think about those two questions. Firstly, who was Jesus speaking to? Well, some commentators suggest that he was speaking just to his disciples. But I think, as we've already mentioned at the conclusion, there was an amazement of the message and the things that Jesus had delivered. And also in the last verse of the, of the previous chapter, we're informed that large crowds followed Jesus from the surrounding regions. So I think if we connect the two ideas together, and I have a picture in my mind of Jesus there with his disciples at his side, and on the mountainside, a huge assembly of people. And he's speaking out from the heart, without notes, and he's speaking to all the people. Two classes of people. His disciples who are at the side of him. Those who had given a commitment to follow Jesus. And then secondly, to the crowds who were curious and for the most part remained neutral and uncommitted. When we think about what he was talking about, the things he was saying, there was a structure to his thoughts. He started in that uh, fifth chapter by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's thinking there, isn't he, of, of those who are helpless and in need of help. And I think the following crowds fit beautifully to that description. That is his start point. And he builds from that foundation into a change process. And how fitting he should conclude his speech with the wise and the foolish builders. If the disciples needed some help and encouragement in the work ahead that they had to do, dealing with the crowds, and the crowds themselves who followed, needed to hear a message of repentance, to be given the opportunity for themselves to become disciples, to become true followers of the Lord Jesus. And then why did he want to speak to the people? Well, that's an interesting one to think about. I think I've already started to answer already, but if we go back a little further in Matthew's Gospel, we find an occasion where John the Baptist is at work. And you recall that his mission was to preach, to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we find a little later, Jesus himself having had the way prepared by John after his temptations in the wilderness, commenced his preaching by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you can see how Jesus in his sermon is going through that list that I read out earlier item by item in his sermon and he comes eventually to prayer can we just read that section in Matthew 6 
We read in verse 5. It's recorded there, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Yes, his purpose, as I've already mentioned, was to preach, to teach the things about the kingdom of heaven. And that's what his sermon has been leading towards in this model prayer that we've just read. That's why he wanted to speak uh, to the people. To get them to think about their lives. To see where their leaders were leading them astray. To understand that he is the Messiah. To understand who his father is. To know that he is indeed the creator and the sustainer of all life. That he is the only true and living God. It would be so easy, wouldn't it, to, to, to branch off into other subjects. But I must confine myself to what Jesus meant when he suggested people should ask, should seek, and should knock. So what can we then learn and, and, and put into practice in our own everyday life? Well, to ask really is first to recognise what our needs are and to go to God in prayer to make our requests made known to him prayer we should be doing continually and I would stress our request should be on the basis of need not upon want we might think we want all manner of things something we don't necessarily need and so if we ask God, we must trust that he knows best. Not to be afraid of asking, even to the point of being specific. God wants us to ask. He will hear and he will grant what is best for us. Yes, he wants us to trust him with all confidence.
And the Apostle Paul in uh, Philippians 4 and verse 6 exhorts us to be careful for nothing. In other words, in nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now God doesn't want us to be anxious or distracted by anything. Instead he wants us to feel free and be able to go to him and ask for what we need. Remember it has to be need, not greed or want, because he knows best. So let's just think for a few moments now about the second principle uh, to seek I don't know about you but I see to ask and to seek is a situation where somehow the eyes and the mind are working together and in my research I found that Jung's analytical concordance to the Bible gives an interesting definition for to seek is to desire, require, or to question. So we don't listen and read and do nothing. We have to be positive and do something. So all we have to do is really go to the source of information, which in this case, there is only one source, and that's to God's word and to the Bible. It really is the only source of information we have. So coming now to the sixth chapter of Matthew, uh, so some more words of, of Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, in the sixth chapter, and we'll pick up at verse 30. And we read there... <clears throat> Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow will take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Well, that's the best advice anybody can receive. To seek first the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is laying down in the very simplest of terms the structure of life. God first and other necessities will follow. But unfortunately it has to be said we we do live in a troubled world, don't we? We live in a world which 
is full of many gods, a world full of many languages, many cultures, a world full of many religious systems. But in our seeking, we've got to cut through that many to find the one true God and to find his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who is teaching us how to ask and how to seek and what to seek for. Now that third aspect of, uh, of seeking is to question. And when we think about it, from a child, we've all questioned things of our parents. They've advised us, they've told us what to do, they've told us what not to do. We have said why, and we have learned in the process. We were brought up under our parents, our grandparents, our relatives, and friends who all influenced us one way or another. We all went through an education system which taught us the three R's. And eventually we, we came of age to stand on our own two feet, as it were. Then we'd go off to university, if we were clever enough, or into the world of work. And so then we were entering a period of, of great change, where you started to mix with people of varied backgrounds. And I would suggest that this is when we, we really did begin asking questions as we experienced life in the real world. Yes, at the age of 18, uh, seemed to be many doors to be opened or not opened as we moved around in our new environments. Yes, the subtlety of the world offered many opportunities. And if we didn't already know about our towns and our cities and the many places not to go or, or to be associated with. But to learn the difference, putting into practice the teachings of the Lord Jesus as we learn from his sermon and our questioning centres on God's way and not as man sees things as I said a few moments ago it should always be God first and a way of life seeking first the kingdom of God and that's what would give us purpose and a meaning to life. We ask and we can receive. We seek and we can find. And just one more aspect to think about. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Well, I believe the Sermon on the Mount gives us much to think about in in terms of living a life with a purpose. To receive God's word. To read it with the intent of finding greater knowledge. Knowledge of those things that are required of us. And it's something we need to do on a regular basis. Because the more you read, the more you question and ask. And the better understanding of God's requirements we have. As the Apostle Paul 
writing to Timothy in his second letter in chapter 2 in verses 15 and 16 he wrote study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed and then note the next phrase rightly dividing the word of truth in other words gaining a correct understanding then he gives out a sharp warning in the next verse. But shun vain babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And that's the problem with the world that we live in today, <coughs> isn't it? There are so many alternative messages being given out. And by and large, the world is becoming more and more ignorant of God's word. It is being less read. There may be millions available to people in various languages and so on. But how many just sit there on a shelf, gaining dust, never get read, never get to be known about? And really, we can't get to know too much about God and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In particular, we can't get to know too much about the message that he delivered, he delivered in the first century. I've tried to concentrate on the context of the Sermon on the Mount, which Jesus delivered to his disciples and to a large gathering of people. I'd like to bring my thoughts to a conclusion by thinking of Jesus' final thoughts in his sermon. So come with me to that 7th chapter of Matthew and we'll just read from verse 24 we read there therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it and so those verses form the conclusion of the sermon of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus is there leaving his hearers with a choice to make, isn't he? And he leaves us as readers with a choice to make. His mission, as I said, was to preach for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we're still living in a time as the world is getting more and more violent, more and more corrupt. We're living in a time when we're waiting for that kingdom to be established, for that kingdom to come. And come, it surely will. Jesus taught us to pray for it. And if only we say the Lord's Prayer every day, then we are praying for that kingdom to come his appeal 
is to hear the word and go away and do the will of my Father. Doing nothing is just not an option. Well, I suppose it is, but a foolish one and certainly not recommended. It would be like building on sand for that inevitable destruction to follow. But to do something positive is to believe and to put into practice a life of commitment preparing for and waiting for the time of judgment when by the grace of God we'll be given a place in that sought after kingdom. So let us think on these things whilst we have time, whilst time is on our side. Because sooner or later, tomorrow, will be too late. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Thank you.